0: Hi, this is Tim Hrushkiewicz.
1: Hi, this is Bob Henson coming at you for episode five of... It really
0: is episode five this time. It I is. I was really like, I fought you on that one last time because I'm a jerk. You did. But that's okay. Uh, I guess today's a Stephen kings themed episode.
1: Yes, to celebrate the unseasonably pleasant August weather.
0: <laughs> I My big goal this summer was to read classy books, to read fancy, fancy books to make me a better English teacher. Failed. And then... The Dark Tower movie announced that it was going to be a sequel to all the books. So I said I have to read like 5000 pages in a summer and just exclusively Stephen King. And then you added on, well Salem's you also Lo- ha- you also have to read Salem's Lot. Well you do. You do. And from where I'm at right now I kind of get it. Right? But um so I read You're Salem welcome. I read Salem's Lot and uh you love Salem's Lot. This is one of your favorite Stephen Kings. I
1: think this might be my favorite. Outside the Dark Tower, this might be my favorite Stephen King book.
0: Uh, I disagree. I I don't even know which my favorite Stephen King book is. Oh, no, I do. 11 is my favorite Stephen King book. I have not read that. It's contemporary and it's also way less horror. So I guess it's kind of a cheat. It's kind of like saying the Shawshank Redemption is your favorite Stephen King. Ugh. Yeah, well, everyone loves the I'm Sha-
1: sure like, the movie's great. I'm sure it's a fine short story.
0: I I. Like the movie, I think everyone loves the movie a lot. Same thing with Green Mile, where they're kind of, they feel Stephen kings in certain moments, but they are much more wide appeal. But again, Stephen King is fairly wide appeal as is. But you love, you love Salem's Lot. What, I do what, love Salem's Lot. What makes Salem's Lot, like, maybe your favorite Stephen King book?
1: So Salem's Lot is a classic, classic vampire story. It is very. Yeah, and is. one, I love vampires. And two, I love even more morally uncomplicated vampires.
0: Okay. There is no
1: redeeming vampire in that book. There is no... Uh,
0: there's no Angel there's or no Spike? There's no
1: Angel. There's no Edward. There's no... Is Tom Cruise Lestat in Interview with a Vampire? Yes, he okay. is.
0: I saw the movie. I, I also I, saw I, I, We actually own uh, the Barnes & Noble Super Edition of... The of the f- book? Of the Vampire Chronicles. Like, it was like this big fancy edition. Really? It was very cheap. It was, let's put that out there. And I, I-, I
1: kind of want to borrow that, but now's not the
0: time. Okay. It's, it's again, if you're looking for morally complicated vampires, right, right, that right. might not be your call. That's true. Uh, okay. Go with on you, with you. So,
1: I love good, straight, evil vampires and people who have to fight them.
0: About, I, I want to say a decade ago, I got really onto the vampire kick. I think there's, like...
1: That was a good time for
0: you. it. Was, it was right as Twilight was just starting up, and I was like, I like morally uncomplicated vampires, where you can have your angels and spikes, but pretty much most of the universe is just evil vampires and watch how, watch all the things they kill. Yes, And I, I think... We talked about this in pre- on the Spider Man episode. I wanted Doc Ock's arms and vampire face. I don't want to be a vampire. I want to be able to like give that scary like ridged, yellow eye. Just like if in case someone gets me mad, I just go. You know, like for Halloween or just, just in life. Okay. Like just when you could tell, like oh, is is Tim mad? Yes, he's got vampire face on right now.
1: And his his arms came out. <laughs> and, and his
0: and his yeah, tentacles came out. That that would been that's my ideal. It's not a good look. It's nah. not a good look. But that was one thing I was I was I was really obsessed with cool vampire. I love the Lost Boys movie. Yes, the Lost Boys movie is one of my favorite vampire movies of all time.
1: Thirty years old this week.
0: Is it this week? It yeah, is, or last week? I think it was last week. Um I actually have a laser disc of not Lost Boys signed by most of the cast, including Corey Haim. So R.I.P. R.I.P. Wait, no, that was the right one. That's the right Feldman's alive. Yeah. Uh, I don't have Feldman's signature, but I have. Well, you
1: got time on here. Yeah. I got it.
0: <laughs> It's on my side. So I, I get the, the idea that you like the just the evil vampire story. Uh, what else about like is there anything else about that book?
1: Um, it reads is pretty dated now.
0: It is. And it, he treats the 70s as contemporary like this is like he doesn't like he doesn't point out the year often. But he doesn't do like he doesn't make it feel like it's set in the 70s too hard.
1: Right. But I mean, thinking about it now, like, nobody has a cell phone.
0: And there's a lot of moments where a cell phone would solve a lot of problems in That's that true. book. Where the internet would, like, a quick Google search on some of these people right. would have brought up some inf- interesting information.
1: I love old timey research in the library. Yeah. TV shows. Where the amount of
0: time that. it takes to research if vampires are taking over your town causes the vampires to take over your town. Right? We've got to go to the library. And we have to make phone calls and find out what's the... hit. The, the premise of the book is that this author is researching this house that has this... A Stephen King book about an author. Yeah, there's. I was going to get to that. He's researching this house for this book he's writing. It's this cursed house. And in the process of researching this cursed house, he discovers that it has been kind of this haven for vampires. Like it's it's this, actually cursed. It's actually cursed. And that... Through slow, slow research and very sad deaths in the town, vampires are taking over the town. It's a cool book. I don't think it's ever gonna hit my favorites list.
1: I think it's really fun
0: it is it is a very fun book and the it it also is very since I it was the summer of Stephen King and I read a lot of Stephen King, he falls back onto a lot of old. I don't know. He uses a bag of tricks, and he uses some things that are kind of not awesome. And I think the biggest problem I have with it is he's got that wunderkind kind of thing. That <laughs> that's not the right use of the word. Uh, he's got that uh, magic child character, like Danny mm-hmm. in The Shining. Only it's the worst example of the magic child character I think I've read of his. Where Stephen King tends to do this, he doesn't want to kill off. Kids, unless it's a minor kid character, because one of the main vampires is a kid in the book. Uh, Spoilers. Hey, let's, let's establish. Uh, this is gonna get pretty spoiler heavy because we're gonna be talking about the Dark Tower later on too. Yeah. So let's go read the book, kid. Let's go read, read the books. Uh, he has this kid die off pretty early, and then they're like, okay, pretty creepy. But he also makes one of the heroes a kid, very much like Jurassic Park where you can't really, like, murder a child on screen. The ch- children always manage to survive Jurassic Park movies. Well. Um, but Mark is this character who gets almost superhero abilities because Stephen King has to find a reason to not kill off this kid. Do you want to talk about Mark at all?
1: Um A little. I'm... Mark's never been my favorite character.
0: Mark's a really bad character. Yeah. For, and it, that takes me out of a book a lot. Because Stephen King, again, so when I say he gets these magical abilities, he gives them abilities that kids shouldn't have. This kind of independence that is very, very odd. And a lot of the books, there is one moment where the kid knows something like, oh, I coincidentally know how to do this. There are two, and two is just too many, or the kid shouldn't know how to do that. And then there's this backstory of like why the kid knows this exact moment, but it's always after the fact. Like in this one, Mark knows how to be a master escapist like Houdini because he read a book on Houdini. Houdini. Like he's tied up at one point.
1: But who didn't read a book about Houdini when they were eight?
0: But he even establishes that Houdini practiced all these things for years before he got really good at it. And Master Escapists need to slowly practice this over time. Mark is tied up and he's like, I remember reading a book on Houdini. And Houdini had a really hard time doing this. And it goes into the whole thing how Houdini did it and how Houdini would regularly fail before he got good at it. Mark does it on his first try. Enough to kill the guy who tied him up and escape. That's great. Uh, Mark also has to drive a car at one point. Oh, yeah. He has to drive a car at one point to, to get away and there's this weird moment where' it's like his dad gives him this whole rhyme scheme and this like mnemonic to help him remember how to properly handle a car which is odd because like Mark is supposed to be like 10 or 12.
1: yeah but they live in a pretty rural area where it would be
0: but Mark memorizes the whole long speech on how to drive like it's not this like one line thing like turn the key. Put it in the break. I have no idea. Like, it's just nothing like that. It's, it's this long, long speech. And he remembers every word of it. He's like, remember, when pressing on the brake, treat it like there's a grapefruit between your... F- no, treat it like there's an egg between the brake and your foot. I'm like, that's a weirdly specific thing to remember. That's good advice. It is great advice, but if you give him a list of things and he just remembers the whole thing verbatim, I have a problem with that. So Mark is a problem character. I do like this about Salem's Lot, and this is real spoilery. It doesn't really solve the problem at the end.
1: No, they just leave.
0: <laughs> they leave. I mean, Everybody they come. They do come they back leave. in the epilogue, and they do take care of some of the problem. Right. But they acknowledge that two guy, an adult and a kid, against the world, isn't going to do a thing against a town of a vampire. Hands. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking the entire time you should just burn the whole town down when the sun is up. Cause it's an abandoned town like the book and by this is not spoilery because the book starts off by saying Salem's lot was a ghost town what ha- and how ghost towns begin so it does spoil right the opening is it, it is very bookended by the premise that Salem's lot will be abandoned by the end of the book I was like shouldn't you just burn down the entire town I mean that takes a long time but, but you could do it. you could do it like you set your the building's got to be close enough it's been neglected for a year. I'm pretty sure you could burn down a town if you got up real early and <laughs> and, went and, and got to burning. <laughs> Time for burning. <laughs> Time for burning. Like you and they they start doing that a little bit but I was like you could have you could have gone to town in this whole burning thing.
1: So that's one of my favorite things about the book is the pacing of the book. Okay? Because I feel like it's a very slow burn <laughs> until all of a sudden it's not. There's a tipping point in there somewhere, and it's about two-thirds through, where it's like all of a sudden you realize the whole town is full of vampires. The the, the horror is element
0: over. is actually pretty minor in it. It's a lot of like... Oh,
1: it's not scary,
0: yeah. It's not scary. I like it... Have you seen the movie? Because I haven't seen the movie. I, have,
1: I know there's like a 78 miniseries with Rob Lowe.
0: No, that's not what I'm talking about. That okay. wasn't 78. That was pretty recently. There's a, was there's a movie, and I googled the movie, and the movie looks verbatim Mm. to the book. Like, I just watched the trailer. I was like, that's that scene, that's that scene, that's that scene. Although, it might be a bit too accurate for the 70s because it's got that 70s budget look to it where it's Uh. just... Every scene was accurate. I didn't want to watch the movie. Sure.
1: Is that a good segue to move into the big adaptation of Stephen King's work that we want to talk about this week?
0: Before we even started this podcast... Uh, I found out Mr. Henson was really into the Dark Tower series. I had read book one over a vacation a year ago, and just like it was my travel book, I really I've always heard that like the Dark Tower is a cool epic series. That if you really want to do this long, long epic, do the Dark Tower books. Uh, so I read the first one in the course of a couple hours. Like it was a really it's pretty f- short. It's a pretty short, but also really gripping read like mm-hmm. it moves really fast i love it i recommend it to everyone gunslinger is a great even if you don't read the rest of the series gunslinger the first book is a cool cool book but you probably will you probably will read the rest of the series hopefully and then they announced there's gonna be a movie and i said oh boy you know i could I'll, I'll be just in time i'll get at least get the basic premise of the movie and especially if I, I thought it was going to be one-to-one it was going to be gunslinger the first book and then there's gonna be a gunslinger the movie And they're going to do, like, Lord of the Rings, where they just slowly unveil these over time. That didn't happen.
1: Right. So we saw the 95-minute adaptation of The Dark Tower.
0: And The Dark Tower is, again, I think I just said this, 5,000-some pages. It's a very long long series.
1: It's, I mean, it's eight novels, and it's eight big novels. After the first one, they just
0: sort of ballooned. Like, know, like Harry Potter, they get longer and yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh Song of Susanna, which is book six, is a dip in length. It's it's probably like four hundred pages, but the other ones are seven hundred pages.
1: I read them all electronically, so it's hard to remember.
0: Yeah, looking at them on the shelf you just see this like thin book but thicker book, stars. thicker book. Yeah, they are very big books. And the cool thing I like about Dark Tower, at least so far. Mom well, um I finished book four.
1: Have you started book five?
0: No, I'm intentionally okay. taking a break. I said the movie kind of like gave me a sour taste in my mouth. Sure. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to read some stuff that I've been putting on hold. And the the page length, unlike uh, – and I'm sorry Harry Potter fans are going to instantly turn this off. The Harry Potter books get longer but don't have more content necessarily. They're about the same amount of storytelling per book.
1: Oh, snap.
0: I know. It's, I'm sorry. There's a lot of Harry studying for – not studying for tests that he should be – and questioning relationships he has in yeah, those books. Yeah,
1: hear that, kids? Get to work.
0: So, yeah. So, Dark Tower throws everything at the wall. They are crazy, crazy books where the page length is, wow, every couple pages something absolutely bizarre happens. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, buckle up. You are not going to get a break. No, I'm saying that to you
1: for the last three books.
0: Oh, because it gets even weirder. Like,
1: yeah, from where you are, it doesn't ever really let up.
0: And that's what I love about the books. The books are there's there's not a lot of filler in these books. There's no, there's not. It's things are happening, and these things are going to constantly affect the world they're in. Sometimes they don't always tie up. I, I so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, again, we're going to spoiler stuff. Book three starts off with a cyborg bear, and
1: a thirty foot tall cyborg bear.
0: Thirty foot tall cyborg bear. <laughs> Um, right now, I just finished book four, and it ends with this weird Wizard of Oz reference where all the characters get ruby slippers, and they have to talk to a wizard in an emerald city. This—it gets really odd. And these things don't necessarily tie back, but they definitely change the characters for the most part, so.
1: I'm going to tell you, book five draws from Harry Potter, Marvel Comics—
0: Harry Potter. Co- so and me making Star fun Wars. of me making so fun of Harry Potter is actually going to come back and bite will me. Will work in universe. Does Harry Potter exist in the Dark Tower universe?
1: I'm not going to spoil it that much, but I will say that it's great because all the characters are from different time periods. There's a character from 1967, 1977, and 1987. So when they run across stuff from Harry Potter, none of them know what it is because they're not to that. So time they yet. just think
0: that's a. They're that's, like, what is Harry Potter? So it's, it's, it is absurd. And so what I love about these books is they get so, I've never read a book series that's just so crazy. Because it starts off with, you read Stephen King's forewords, they're very, very short usually, and he's talking about this epic, he's writing, and again, I think we talked about this on another another podcast, he's writing about this poem that has always influenced him. And it's this noble quest to write this epic story from this poem's perspective, and then he just... uh, Abandons all pretense of classiness and just says, you know what would be real fun, Cyborg Bears. I mean, I
1: feel like
0: the Dark Tower is a thing that
1: defies genre. It starts as a Western...
0: A Western fantasy. Western fantasy, because it Western
1: does, fantasy and then, and then gets more sci-fi. And
0: action like it...
1: But it the and Book 4 is a full-on like, romance.
0: Book 4 yeah. is a full-on, like... Book 4 is almost a straight Western, too. And Book 4 is... You It's your favorite in the series. I just finished book four. I yeah. think book four is my least favorite because it's not crazy. Um, but it's also this, it takes a moment to breathe out and say like, listen, people have real relationships in this world. Let's just, let's show the most important relationship for our protagonist.
1: And I like the world building that book four does. Book four is a flashback. So it's a lot about the
0: world And considering, that Roland comes from. Considering that Roland's world affects the story so much. I can see why that's important, because they don't spend a lot of time in Roland's world. Right, other than that... Yeah, the, the, the rules of Roland's world affect what they do, but you don't spend a lot of time in Midworld. Like, it's just kind of this background that you know is there. Right. So let's talk about how the movie broke our heads a little bit.
1: Okay, so what sounds like it should be the first, or what sounds like should draw very heavily from the first book. Mm-hmm. The movie draws from the series
0: as a whole. And I think that was a poor choice. There's one thing that Sony, and I'm going to keep on saying the word Sony because I'm very mad at it. Like we talked about with Spider-Man, this feels like a very corporate movie. Sony came out and said at one point, and I think this the director kind of said this too, this is actually a sequel to the Dark Tower books. Good for you. It's not really.
1: It does You don't need to know that it's a sequel.
0: It's 100% a really bad adaptation of seven novels. Not eight, because eight... There's one book that's all... Eight
1: doesn't count. Eight's another flashback story, and it was written later, so... Yeah. I've actually never read the eighth book. I'm sure it's fine. So
0: it's just this really, really condensed version of a lot of pages... So much so that they throw in everything but has no weight to it. Go on with your establishment saying that, like, you were pointing out that this word draws from mostly?
1: Yeah, right. So all the reporting about the movie said that it was going to draw from the first and third books.
0: That's really weird because there's very little from that.
1: Which, yeah, so one, there's not very much, but in the first... Really, the first one, two, three books in the series are about Roland building his, what he calls his katet, his party of adventurers to go find
0: the tower. Mark Wahlberg fans, his entourage.
1: Yes. Uh, there's none of that in the book. Uh, and instead, the only extra character beyond Roland that we get is uh, the kid Jake. Now, in the books, Jake is 10. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, they've aged him up to 14,
0: 14
1: 15, 15 um, which is an interesting choice. It's not what I would have necessarily done because part of it is that part of Jake's arc is to see Roland as a father figure.
0: Yeah. Also, we might sound kind of nitpicky because it seems like we're just arguing book versus movie. Um, because, again, a movie is a movie, a book's a book, and you can do very different things in each, and that's fine. But these are kind of fundamental beats that they kind of screw up. This is, yeah, big ideas that are are really really messy in the book.
1: Okay, so then let's let's take the movie as it is, and say it's not a good movie.
0: It's not a good movie at all. So it like, moves too quickly. Uh, uh, solid adaptations can completely deviate from the from the book. I don't mind that at all. I think like Jurassic Park really kind of deviates from a lot of things, yeah. but it's still both are great. Dark Tower is a bad movie and a bad adaptation. Yep. So uh, they they take Jake and they age him up. And I think I kind of get why. They want some of the teen demographic. Um, they want Jake to be involved in action sequences, which makes sense. Because, again, Stephen King writes a 10-year-old who can handle more than he should be able to. Jake's another example of a kid who's far better at handling things than he should be.
1: Okay, so maybe that's – let's take a step back and Mm -hmm. say maybe that's symptomatic of our generation in general. Sure. One of the things that I like about entertainment from the 70s, 80s, and I guess maybe let's say early 90s, is the willingness to put children in danger.
0: Yeah, the Goonies is an example of – how old are the kids in the Goonies? Those kids are like 10. 10, 12 maybe. Yeah, and they do – but they're sloppy about it. Like, I love the thing I love about the Goonies is they're in an action movie, but they're not good action heroes. Right,
1: they're still children. Yeah. Right, your Goonies, your Stand By Me's, another Stephen King yeah. Uh, joint. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things that I liked about
0: last year's Stranger Things on Netflix. Where they felt like kids who weren't awesome at what they are dealing with, which made the story so much more interesting because there's not going to be these moments where parkour kind of plays a part. Like, there's a part in Goonies where characters fall against the piano that they're not supposed to touch. Right. That's the kind of characters... And I think Monster House did the same thing. Like, it was an animated feature. But these are all stories where kids aren't going to be great at what they're doing, but through just their sheer willpower, manage to survive these horrific moments. And Jake is meant to be one of those characters where his youth and innocence, you want him to succeed. Right. But instead, they made him fourteen or fifteen, which makes him kind of like independent. And he there's a parkour scene. There's a right. straight up parkour scene in the in the movie.
1: He becomes Peter Parker for a little bit, and that's not.
0: Yeah, he scales up a building. He jumps between buildings. He falls off a skys- skyscraper and goes onto a um, awning. It, it's really. It feels very artificial. Yeah. So. Jake's aging and seeing Roland as a dad figure is not really sold in this.
1: No, but you can tell they want to do that. hmm I don't think it ever comes off.
0: And again, part of that is the pacing. Part of that is the pacing of trying to get yeah. so much into a movie. Sony, I heard, I read something saying that the director of the movie... Uh, said that Sony said he couldn't do so much with this film. Like, they kept on saying no to a lot of the elements of the film that he wanted to do. Um, maybe it's a little bit of blaming the studio system, but Sony, that seems to be in line with what they tend to do with films nowadays.
1: You don't hear a lot of people talk about how great Sony is to work with.
0: Yeah. Um Basically, no. <laughs> the studio system has kind of disappeared in the way it used to be, like, in the 90s and the in the early 2000s. Studios used to be really in control of all of their properties. And that used to cause problems. We look at Batman and Robin where Warners are trying to stick so much into a film. We talked about Spider-Man 3 last week. Um, where the, so, again, Stony is trying to stick all the stuff in. But ever since, like, the age of, like, creator-owned content where we have, like, stuff like Louie and FX where, like, just... We're not going to pay you a lot, but you can do whatever you want with it. Like, we're right. not going to oversight this. We'll give you notes, but you can ignore all these notes. Sony is the last holdout on that, where they seem to be really like, you got to make this movie short, and you got to make it all the books. We're not going to invest in a whole long franchise, which means Sony's not taking risks. They're going by this old standard of, like, we're going to make sure we get the money we want, and if we can get a sequel, we'll get a sequel.
1: Maybe that's that's a good way of thinking about it, because my primary criticism, and I think I said this last time, of Amazing Spider-Man 2, was that it felt like a movie from 1996. Yeah. And the Dark Tower kind of feels like that, too.
0: I felt like Battlefield Earth to me. Like, it felt this... I don't think it was that bad. I didn't see too much of Battlefield Earth. I don't think it's going to be famously bad. I don't think it's going to be famously bad, but I will say that it is... Battlefield Earth has, has this kind of issue where... It is entrenched in this mythos and mythology that that these you, going into the movie, you have to have a certain understanding of what you're watching. We went into the Dark Tower as—you as probably being the most expert I know, and me as a quasi-expert. Like, I, I know a decent amount of Dark Tower stuff, and I was confused by elements of the movie. I was like, what is happening right now? See, I was conflicted because on the one hand—
1: I was happy to see stuff from later books pulled in as if they were going to make a consistent through line.
0: Yeah, no, they, they they start off with what you say is book five, I think you said the opening scene, or is it book six? Actually,
1: it's book seven. So book seven. They use a big chunk of the first half of book seven.
0: As the opening, which is cool if you do it as a tease. To say, like, this is where the characters are going to end up. Which I thought
1: was going to be great. So the movie starts, there's stuff from book seven, I'm thinking, okay, cool, this is going to be like Lord of the Rings, right? We open on Mount Doom, now it's going to take us, you know, nine or ten hours for the characters to get there. Mm -mm. But instead, they're there by 88 minutes in.
0: They're there by 88 (laughs) minutes in, and they hadn't done much to earn it. There's one point I was watching the clock on my phone, I was like, listen, I know you're going to... Magically get there, and that's exactly what happened. Yep. Um,
1: Literally, they just portal there.
0: Yeah, and the, the thing about <laughs> the first, the f- thing about the first four books is, it's all about the journey. It's about being slow walking and running into constant it's Lord detours. Of the yeah, yeah, it's it's things that are constantly getting in your way and ruining your day, and how they overcome these constant obstacles. The movie sets up something very. Overly convenient for a narrative purpose, which is to say that people can just portal everywhere and people know how to, how to do it. Yeah. Which, when you have a movie about a journey. It's
1: like they read that thing about Lord of the Rings. It's like, why didn't Gandalf just use the eagles to fly the ring?
0: Because it's a boring story. And they're like, all right, no, let's do that. Yeah, it's a boring, boring story. Which makes it a much smaller story because it seems like a super villain with a plan. Like, it seems seems like kind of like a really bad Bond movie. Like, I have this yeah. plan to blow up the world using my secret base. Bond has to get to that secret base and blow it up. That's the Dark Tower movie. Yeah. That's really bad.
1: It's not very compelling. And it's poorly executed. Like, there's a version of that story that could work, but they didn't make that movie.
0: No, they didn't. Uh, in terms of casting in the movie, I, love, I still love the idea of Idris Elba as Roland. Yep. He's... Although we don't get much of his characterization, he seems very flat and vengeance-based, which is a, an element of Roland for sure. I mean,
1: so that's the other thing. I think they changed Roland's fundamental character to make him obsessed with killing the Man in Black, where in the books he's obsessed with the Dark Tower. He, yeah, his primary character characteristic is that he is obsessed with the Dark Tower. And,
0: so the movie establishes, I'm a loner, leave me He's He's kind of Batman-y in that way, only with vent. More like the Punisher, actually. He's just like, I'm
1: fine with that. I just don't like his motivation changing.
0: Things. Sure. But part of his obsession with the Dark Tower is that he is aware with his, about his own fault of being able to sacrifice anyone on a dime to save the, to, to save the Dark Tower. He's, it's, one of his through lines it's probably internal narrative the entire book series is... I'm going to get these I'm, people killed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my friends killed, and I know I'm not strong enough to stop that. And I'm okay to with me. it. Yeah, like, he's not even okay with it. He hates himself for it, but he knows he's going to do it regardless. Right. Uh, and that's that's a cool motivation to have as a character. Instead of having this vengeance-driven, I don't care about the universe ending, I just care about killing the man in black. Yep is something we've seen in stories before. We've seen the vengeance narrative before. What makes Roland different? And don't get me wrong. Elba knocks it out of the park with what he does with it. He is much better than... The script deserves. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Same thing with Matthew McConaughey. I'm not a big Matthew yeah, McConaughey fan. Um, my friend is a huge Matthew McConaughey fan, so he's going to be mad when I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does great. I think he's a really creepy man in black...
1: I think he could be having more fun with it, but I'm not going to quibble over them.
0: They, uh, and again, a lot of it is a script. They get, they give him this power base that is unreasonable in the movie for the sake of making him scary. He can kill people by telling them to stop breathing. And he does it often. It's not, it's not a one-off. It one comes off. up several times. Yes, yeah, so you know that whole nerd fight of like, why wouldn't you use that every time? That's
1: well. They get out of it by saying it doesn't work on Roland, but they never explore that and they never follow it up in any way. They're yeah. just like, "Oh, Roland's immune to it,"
0: or why he doesn't use all his other bag of tricks on Roland. Um, so again, he telekinesis. Telekinesis he can throw fireballs, apparently. Yeah, and just appear in places where Roland is and just yeah kill him. Yep. Roland sleeps. <laughs> sure. So let's put that out there. The Man in Black shouldn't. If he's really that angry at Roland, there's dozens and dozens of opportunities for him to kill Roland, and he doesn't. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, well, those are our thoughts. If you have thoughts, put them in the comments.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll be writing a review for this on the website. That's vmafilm.weebly.com if you want to write a post on that. And also, I think, join our Facebook group. Yes. Uh, literally anything. Uh, We are on iTunes now, Google Play. We are on iTunes
1: and Google Play, so however you get your podcasts on your phone, machine.
0: And we'd like to thank Pat Carino for designing our logo. We actually have a logo that makes us look professional and adult. It
1: is a super rad logo, so thank you, Pat.
0: So, uh, patcarino.com.
1: Good night, everybody. Thanks. Bye.